Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and today I am very pleased to introduce as my guest, Larry Indiviglia. Larry, welcome to my show. Meredith, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to our connection and uh, thank you for all the wonderful work you're doing with your podcast and so many other things that you do to serve and support and help others. It's very, very inspiring. Well, thank you, Larry. One of the things I wanted to say before I go into your more formal uh, introduction is that this is going to be a unique conversation. Um, I've never had a guest on my show where we're going to talk about love, commitment, death. (laughs) So it's going to be a fascinating conversation and you'll know why I invited Larry as we um, as we get into our conversation. I do want to give a shout out to my colleague, long-term colleague, Elizabeth Freed, because Elizabeth is the one who introduced us. Larry Indiviglia is president of Insight for Life, Inc., a fitness professional, a presenter, an author, and a business and life coach for the Todd Durkin Mastermind Program. He's also a retired Naval Reserve officer. Thank you for your service, Larry. And a graduate of the United States Navy Naval Academy in Annapolis. Larry has two advanced degrees, a master's in corporate fitness administration and an MBA from the University of San Diego. Larry's work of over a 30-year fitness career has inspired, motivated, and encouraged people to grow and do their best. He has a powerful ability to connect with people, and he helps them transform their lives and businesses. And Larry recently published a very special book called 126 Days, 11 Minutes, Our Love Story, to honor the life of Gail, a woman who courageously chose to embrace life and love while battling stage four cancer. Although it was brief, Larry considers his relationship with Gail as one of the most profound experiences of his life. He also hopes his book inspires others to say yes to love, even when logic says no. So Larry, with that introduction, talk a little bit more about your book and why you felt compelled to write it. Um, The book, 126 Days, 11 Minutes, Our Love Story, um, is, um, it's a true story of two actively aging seniors in their 60s, yes, in their 60s, who met online and made that choice to do so, and uh, fell madly in love, perhaps against all odds, because uh, one of them, Gail in this case, Um, was suffering from and battling stage four breast cancer. And um, in our open and authentic relationship, 
we lived in the today, not the yesterdays or the tomorrows. And um, we found a um, we found strength and compassion and passion and an alignment mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And ultimately, I learned, and perhaps Gail learned, that to love with loss is possible, Meredith, and worthwhile, rather than never to have loved at all. Um, I never set out when I meet Gail to write a book about her or our love story. It evolved, perhaps because the story and and, and the, the length of our relationship was only 126 days and 11 minutes. But I learned so much from the relationship, so much from this special woman, and many, many lessons that I wanted to honor her life and the many others who suffer from breast cancer or stage four cancers. Their lives matter, their lives make a difference, and certainly Gail's did in mine. And I really wanted to pass those lessons on to the world, not only how they impacted my life, but how they can learn, continue to learn from Gail's light and how she approached and embraced life and love to the end. Mm -hmm. Well, it was just so inspiring. And, you know, I kind of hated to get to the end of it because I was afraid I would be getting upset. But the way that you wrote, about her approaching death and how you handled that was just really beautifully done. And I want to acknowledge you for doing that. But before we go into that part, I want to roll back the clock to the beginning of 2020 because you had shared with me in an earlier conversation that you had set an intention yes. around love. So would you talk about those 10 forms of wealth that you mentioned and the aspect of love? A absolutely. Um, in my coaching walk and my coaching profession with the Todd Durkin Mastermind Program, which has been 13 years now, we do an exercise, Meredith, and for all your listeners called 10 Forms of Wealth. And um, you evaluate on a scale of zero to 10. Uh, zero, I experience none of this in my life and 10, it can't get any better, the various aspects of your life, your financial, your physical, your spiritual, the legacy you're leaving, your sense of adventure, your career, etc., all through 10. And one of the wealth areas is love. So I made a conscious choice that I had to improve that area. I think I was scoring myself a two, very much lacking in my life. And I had had a couple of relationships since being divorced for nine years after a 25-year marriage. And I did consciously make that choice, and I wanted to meet somebody. So January was the new year, the new decade. So I put myself out there on an online dating site and uh, in the quest to find somebody who hopefully is looking to also meet somebody. And so I think that the lesson there was the power of choosing rather than chance. Was it a chance meeting with Gail? Well, if we hadn't both chosen to go online and perhaps set the intention like I did, I can't necessarily speak for her if she did attend Forms of Wealth, but she decided also to go online. And then we were able to have a chance encounter by the choice and intention we made. Yeah. I, I really like that distinction that you're making there 
between choice and chance because it ties in with another area I wanted to get into with you, which is around risk. Mm-hmm. Because um, I, I have pondered how many people would have chosen to continue that relationship with her when they learned about the fact that she was in this stage four uh, with a battle against breast cancer. And yet you went in with your eyes wide open. You chose that. Talk a little bit about how you evaluated the risk. And before you do, I just want to encourage my listeners to open their minds about different areas of their lives where there's a risk involved whether it's related to their business or their personal lives, because I think that it's important to look at how do we look at risk and how do we go about evaluating it so we make a choice that serves us? Uh, Yes, Meredith, and very insightful question uh, about risk. I think in backing up just one, the choice Gail did make, was even under stage four cancer, was to embrace love and life, even in the shadow of cancer. That was a powerful choice. Uh Ultimately, she went online to meet somebody, but she made that choice that she was not going to be a victim or live in a cave and have cancer run her life and define her. So that was a powerful choice she made, gave her the chance to to meet me, which, which we did connect. Now, when I met Gail, I was very captivated by her courage and her honesty. That was number one. So I said, I see a greatness and something special in this lady. And in the past, I've done that in my life. And that helps me govern risk or look at the, look at the issue of risk and say, well, wait a minute. Okay. This is not just looking for a return on investment of time, energy, and money, but what value now? What's the value of my investment of time, energy, and money, and so many other things? What am I going to get from this experience? Mm -hmm. And um, the other part was, since it was a love relationship, I followed my heart. I like to say the heart has no questions, and um, when you really tap into it, But the courage that she had in being so honest, I didn't think about, well, she's going to die tomorrow. Um, She's going to die in two weeks. I really didn't think about that. I looked at how I need to discover more about this woman, how the experience somehow was going to help not only me in receiving her gifts, but help her in this stage of her life. And I, I believe that um, my overall purpose, my overall feelings were to align with somebody spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And I, I felt that with Gail. So the risk of a future loss or the risk of anything else that may happen, that's part of life. It's that duality, Meredith. Mm-hmm. You know, you never have absence of sorrow or absence of fear or absence of pain. We have some of that in life, but we also have great joy and strength. And I think duality of life is, that's life. Okay, so I'm entering into this relationship. 
Is there some risk? Perhaps, but I looked at it as there was going to be so much more gain in the discovery of this person and how courageous she was. And obviously I was captivated by her inner and outer beauty. So that was kind of how I was negotiating that, or not even negotiating, how I went into it with those feelings that were very, very strong and trusting the heart. Mm -hmm. That's really great. Um, and, and just thinking about how you interacted with each other through your texts and in your messages, uh, you know, and when you were in person, the desire to affirm each other, mm. I think, was very powerful. I, I sensed a real uplifting of each other. And that, to me, was really a significant lesson because one of the things um, I actually wrote in my review of your book on Amazon was this idea of it inspired me to be a better person in all of my relationships because of the way that you focused on the present moment when you were together or even apart messaging each other in a positive affirming way. And too often I think we can get hung up on the negatives we see in someone else and wishing they were different or wishing they would do this or say that or, you know, I'm, and, and so it was very refreshing to see a relationship. And I guess part of it could have been guided by this recognition that we don't know how much time we have. And so we're going to make the most of it. And of course the truth is none of us knows how much time we have, but I'd love to hear how that played into the way you all approached each day as a precious moment. Uh, yes, and it's interesting, I think, the, the origins of that, the origins of that. My, my coaching experience as a life and business coach for 13 years, I always have a goal, Meredith, after a session, whether it's a Zoom call, whether it's an email exchange, to make that person, he or she, feel better at the end of the exchange, okay? Maybe they have clarity or have a better sense of clarity. They feel better about themselves and their ability to solve a problem or to move forward. Mm -hmm. As we know as coaches, you can't really tell people what to do, but you can ask them questions because the person closest to the problem may have the answer. So the listening skill that I had as a coach, I always listened to what Gail said, what she wrote, what she said. And, and that was important for me to bring in to the relationship and how I communicated with her. Always make her feel better. Uh, it's interesting. My late dad, who lived to 99, he always told me, um, when you go out on a date with a girl or a woman, make sure she has a better time than you do. And it was something I always remembered, you know, to make sure she has a better time than I do. So that goes back to one other dynamic between Gail and I, and this is important. Gail was an Argentinian tango dancer. She, um, and in that dance, the male leads and the female responds. She doesn't mindlessly follow, she responds. And that's leadership in and of itself. If a man performs a good lead, a nurturing, loving, romantic, supportive, enthusiastic dialogue and affirmation of words and actions, the woman will respond in kind. 
So we felt we had that. Our relationship was like a dance. Gail said that many times, but she brought her experience with tango dancing, the power of the embrace and how intimate it was to how we talked to each other, how I led and how she also res responded. But um, I always have a thing, the word think before you say something. Think, um, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? Because a lot of times it's not. Some things left unsaid are okay. And K, is it kind? And I believe Gail and I both had that. We had a great love for each other. But we kind of used that approach in um, keeping each day special as the gift it was. And as I brought it back to the book, I did the book by days, as you know. Day mm -hmm. 1 through 126. Each day had a title. Each day was a special gift. And we embellished that gift by our verbal and, uh, and other exchanges. Yeah. That's great. Well, thinking about the, the skill that you mentioned that you brought to bear in the relationship, what are some of the other coaching skills or strengths that you've developed over the years that ended up being important during the times that she was feeling well and you could do things together, but also when she was in the hospice environment and what you were required, not really required, what you needed to do, you felt, to really serve her best. What kind of skills did you have to draw forth? Mm. I, I mentioned one already, and it's worth to repeat, is listening, okay? Because listening to a loved one, especially who's under challenge or might be in pain, mental, emotional pain. Gail wasn't in physical pain so much to the end because hospice did a wonderful job in controlling that. But listening is important what their needs are. Yes, we do have needs as a caregiver, but listening is, is a key thing that I've learned um, to develop more and more of as a, as a coach. Also, empathy. As coaches, business coach, life coach, we're able to be empathetic because we've walked that walk as many of the people we coach. Now, I have not died before. I have not been on my deathbed. Um, I have seen close relatives. I have seen others in that environment, but I never lost a soulmate or a loved one, a spouse, a lover, a partner in that. So I had to go in there with best practices. As a coach, we have to take care of ourselves first, best practices, our own meditation, our own spiritual and physical best practices, so we can be strong and we could also be able to contribute to that person's experience in a positive way. So empathy and best practices as a coach. I think finally to and Meredith and your coaching experience and perhaps some of your listeners is over the years, intuition. Being able to read a person. You could tell you cannot treat every person we coach the same way. Certain tenets and templates and approaches do work, but each person is different. And intuition and be able to read that person's signals is very, very important in my times of joy with Gail, I more and more and more were able to read her signals, things she said, things she touched, things she did, and um, 
how that was uh, always went back to her truth and core values. Those are some of the things I brought to the table um, in, in the relationship with Gail, and especially towards the end. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the other things that I pulled away, especially as you were trying to be so supportive of her, visiting her often, and really giving a lot of your energy to her, it was important for you to also have a support system. And I would like for you to talk about that because I know my listeners, especially during this time of the pandemic, have each had their own sets of challenges, whether it's related to their business or some other personal crisis they may be going through. Talk about why a support system is so important and how your support system of individuals served you during this time. Wow. Um, Wonderful point. And, um, we, we rarely in life get there alone. You know, Meredith, I'm sure in your walk, you realize that many of your listeners. And when you're, you're in a very um, challenging environment, in a case you're being a caregiver, you need to reach out to people and make sure they know that, okay? And then some people may reach out to you just as a matter of course anyway, because they know you and perhaps are a friend to you and they maybe were not aware. It's important for you not to hide that. And I had some people reach out to me, some by pure intuition that they felt they hadn't talked to me in a while and needed to reach out. And, and um, a man in Arizona, David Jack came into my life who I've been friends with just had some intuition that he hadn't talked to me in a while. That will happen. But your sphere of influence, your circle of influence, the five people that you surround yourself with, they need to know what you're going through. And they will check in with you. Uh, My great friend Todd Durkin checked in with me, you know, regularly. He's mentioned in the book. And then, and I'll try not to get emotional here, some of the real solid friends from years, years and years, and uh, Colonel Hank Donegan, and, and I mentioned Hank in the book that I knew from the Naval Academy, a friend of 47 years, has been through multiple battlefields in his 30-year career as a Marine officer. He was instrumental in reaching out to me. And um, so there's a reliance on if you're able to be vulnerable and you maintain that communication, they will rally for you. And sometimes when you least expected. And I share a few of those stories in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were all instrumental in encouraging me and, uh, and also, you know, praying for me, you know, as as part of their faith and as part of uh, being, uh, you know, truly authentic to who they are. That, that was my experience. And I will say this, the hospice, sharp hospice care and the angels that work there from social workers to spiritual counselors, to musical therapists, to the nurses and assistants and home care people were outstanding in all respects and also helped me and listened to me. So it was a team effort truly in getting Gail to her transition point. Mm-hmm. I just think that's so vital. And thank you for, for sharing that. Because yeah. I think yeah. many times when we're going through a tough time, there's this struggle of, of, of appearances, wanting to appear to be holding it all together, you know, and, and not burdening other people. Those of us that love to be of help to others and serve others, it's sometimes hard to ask for help 
for ourselves and not want to, you know, put somebody out. But um, in a situation like this, it just is really critical to your own well-being, right? To have those kind of people in your corner. It absolutely was, Meredith, because, um, you know, there's that famous, I don't know if it's a famous quote, Audrey Hepburn, who's a great humanitarian, as well as a performer, international star, said you have two hands. One is for helping yourself, and then the other is to help another. And you do have to help yourself in many ways first before you could really fully extend to another. And you're right, spiritually, physically, best practices like I've mentioned, and also the embrace of others. You know, you could sit down there and say, I'm having a tough time today. Uh, What would you do? Or I'm doing this. What do you think about that? And that's important, you know, sounding board and to know you're not alone. And I think... um, that's the important, not alone as a caregiver, and then not certainly the person who's transitioning, not alone in, in dying in the last stage of life. Mm-hmm. Well, this thing of, of taking care of yourself reminds me of, of a phrase that you use that I just love. So I wanted to ask you about it. This was sure. for day 114, where you talked about creating a shield of serenity. I just love that phrase. When you're surrounded by a serious or life-threatening challenge. So talk a little bit about that, why it's important, what, do you, what does it mean, and what do you do with it? I, um, I think this, the Shield of Serenity did come from Colonel Hank, who I you know, just mentioned here a couple of minutes ago. And, and Hank um, has had the ability during his many wartime experiences unfortunately, but he found himself in battles throughout the world in his 30-year Marine Corps career, that in this chaos, somehow you find a shield of serenity for yourself because there is a reaction to things and a response to things, but somehow you have to remain serene within your core, within your being, because if you don't, you will lose it. So he felt a shield of serenity was always important in the midst of challenge, chaos, and in some cases, trauma, or even even if your life's at risk, okay? Mm-hmm. So um, is it the fight or flight mechanism? It's, it's probably, it's not the flight, but it's the fight, but it's being able to fight because of that. He also recommended and Gail had said this to me I was trying to find my peace and to say things to her I didn't want to wait to the end I wanted to make sure she was aware of what I felt about her well at some point she couldn't talk anymore but when she could I asked her and she said Larry you can't give me peace you can't find me peace I have to find that for myself and I found that if I was uneasy maybe that would not be as easy for her to achieve mentally and emotionally. Um, Hank told me, Colonel Hank told me, Larry, find your own peace first. Develop that shield of serenity, whatever it is. So when you go into Gal's room, she will not feel that you're uptight, that you're excited, that you're overly worried, that you're there to be present, and that you have found the peace in this process. And if you bring that to the room, she will be more able to find her own peace. He was 100% right about that. 
because I think ultimately she did merit it. But again, that was the importance of that point. And, and thank you for bringing that up because sometimes it can get lost in, in so many things in the book. And that was a key point. And again, by a dear, dear friend who had had a lot of life experience and uh, who found a way to find peace in the midst of chaos on the battlefields of the world. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think it resonated so much with me because what you just said about what you felt yourself you brought into the room with her, that happens so much in all of our interactions with others. When we have an agitated mind or we're in an agitated state and we bring that in to the person we're speaking with, I'm especially thinking of people we've had issues with, you know, where we've had conflicts in the past. And if we're anticipating that's what it's going to be when we go in to have a conversation with them, it's like they can pick that up and it leads to more conflict you did the opposite. You found that calmness and peace. And when you were able to bring that into the room for Gail, she sensed that. She, she did. She did. And I think um, it's like maybe in leadership, um, which many of your listeners, whether it's leading, it's a leading situation in a business, a corporation, an important position or leader without a title. Uh, Robin Sharma, in your own way, leader, you don't have to have a title to be a leader, right? but how you carry yourself. And especially if you are a leader who's leading men and women and in, uh, in an organization, whatever, they do look at you to see how you respond and how you behave mm -hmm. and how, how you carry yourself. I think, um, I think that's very important. Um, and, that builds trust and respect. Mm -hmm. and then uh, they they are more apt to um, trust you to be accountable to you and quote to follow or at least deliver your mission and what you're doing, how you carry yourself. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the best practices do come in then, right? We have to continue. Well, they do. And I think <clears throat> that's the key is how can we apply things that we've learned in one situation and I think of all of your years of experience in the military yourself and then in these last 13 years yeah. as a business and life coach and what you were able to draw on in order to serve this wonderful woman who had come into your life I just think it's uh, it was that you were a gift to her and she was a gift to you in different ways and I'd love for you to talk about how was she a gift for you? What are some of the things you took away from that whole process, the relationship, going through her death, the grieving and recovery afterwards? Because it's been pretty recent. That was just in May, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was recent. Um, you know, May 12th is when Gail transitioned. And, you know, I knew her for a little over four months. One of the things I learned from Gail, you know, Gail was a brilliant woman. Um, she went to USC. She was fluent in uh, French and Russian. Um, she was a photographer for 33 years, a professional photographer in the Los Angeles area. I had published three books on photography, Soul to Soul, about uh, mixed couples, um, uh, Tango Amor, which was a dance book with tango. And then also Barely Here, which was a 
models in nature. But in any case, um, what I learned from Gail was to be able to stand in your truth. And she would say that many times, Larry. She says, as long as I stick to my core values, and she would say standing in my truth, in being my own advocate, going through this four plus years of cancer treatment, what works, what doesn't work, that also included alternative treatments, by the way. She, she was truthful to herself, and she felt, truthfully, if I could boost my immune system, that would help keep some of the cancer I have at bay. She believed that. And that was, that was a truth of hers, a cardinal truth. So standing in your truth to the end, and she did. She, she always stood in her truth. So the, everything you say, everything you do, everything you touch, be truthful to yourself and what you're about. The uh, other thing I learned from Gail was um, the ability to see people not just superficially, but deeper. And I think that came from her photographer's eye. Anytime she would meet somebody, Meredith, she would always get into the story of the person. Oh, how long did you dance? Or something like that. Like she would get in, she had an intuition, and she would validate that and talk about a person, even in the hospital. She would always ask people personal questions. She, wouldn't, she would not do a photography shoot unless she was connected to the person because she felt that would then impact the energy she would bring in. So the, the looking for the depth of spirit and the breadth of soul of a person, Gail was, was beautiful in doing that. Um, the other thing was courage. Um, in the face of cancer, not being a victim of the disease, don't let that define you, who you are, and to do what you can do in life, and don't worry about what other people are saying. Continue to live, continue to embrace life and love, even during extreme circumstances. Getting back to that duality. You have to deal with it. I'm not happy with elements of this treatment. I'll deal with it, though, and... I'm going to continue to live. Um, probably a final thing is the lyrics she always would say, sing to me from the Nat King Cole song, Nature Boy. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Most importantly, Meredith, as coaches, yourself, your listeners, myself, we could give a lot, give, give, and give, love. To complete the relationship, you must receive. I learned to receive love more from Gail than anybody that I, in, that I had ever had a relationship with. I was able to learn that, and that is important to do. Because mm -hmm. when you receive it, it makes the giving even more nourishing but it's a completeness. It's almost like getting back to the dance. There's dance steps you have to flow. It's not just individual. You have to be together. So those were the things um, that I learned from Gail and humor. She had a great sense of humor as well. There could be many others, but those were the major things mm -hmm. I learned. That's know. great. So in, in wrapping up, a final question I have for you is, what impact <clears throat> has that had on going forward with other uh, relationships, whether it's a loving relationship, a romantic relationship, or just relationships with anyone else? 
Yeah, uh, Gail was a catalyst for me, Meredith, and thank you for asking. She broke my heart open. She didn't break my heart, certainly great loss, yes, but she broke my heart open that down the road, and she told me, Larry, promise me you'll love again. I don't want you moping around. You're 65, so you don't have a long time necessarily to wait. So I don't want you to mope around. I want you to, to love again. And, um, and you know, Meredith, this, this, I, I, I'm going to read this, and it's not very long, okay? And this is what she wrote me. It wasn't at the very end, but she knew that our days were numbered. I hope you find someone who never makes you question your own self-worth. I hope you find someone who cherishes your happiness as much as their own. I hope you find someone who supports you in the things you are passionate about. I hope you find someone whom you can laugh and laugh with and sit in silence with and share your deepest secrets with. I hope you find someone who is your lover, your partner, and your friend. I hope you find someone who treats you as their equal, who learns and grows with you and beside you. I hope you find someone who appreciates all the tiny details that make up who you are. I hope you find someone who respects your heart, your family, and your values. I hope you find someone who reminds you that you deserve the love you give. That's very, very profound. And for that some people, is. Um, I, I would think anyone who's a parent <clears throat> would want that for their kids. Yeah. And, you know, she, she sent that to me. I didn't put it in the book, but uh, that was, you know, probably about three full weeks or so, four weeks before she passed and, and, and transitioned. So I was giving my, I don't want to say marching orders, but good vibes, um, you know, in moving forward. And I, I have met somebody um, in the process of, um, of, of the book adventure, actually before that, I think was all a part of it. That has been a very uh, important part of my life. And, um, and we're probably actually talking here because of it, because of her. So, um, you know, Elizabeth has been wonderful. And uh, Gail permitted me to move forward uh, on my journey um, because of the support and, and the encouragement she gave me, uh, certainly towards the end, yeah. Well, that is such a beautiful quote. I'm so glad you shared that because <clears throat> it shows her beautiful spirit. And we're really honoring her with this podcast episode. And to have you share that at the end, to me, is just very profound because it, it demonstrates how much she loved you and how much she wanted for your happiness, which is what, when you think about it, we really, those, when we have the maturity, the yeah. emotional intelligence, whatever you want to call it, the awareness to love someone so much that we want the best for them. <clears throat> and she was, excuse me, <clears throat> was able to articulate that so beautifully. Thank yeah, you so she much. Was, uh, she was a deep person. She was very you know, high IQ, high EQ. And uh, sometimes that's, you don't always find that in a person. They could be very, mm -hmm. very high intelligence and emotionally maybe not. But she, she did have both. And, um, you know, I'm just uh, very, um, I feel very blessed that, um, you know, 
I have a strong faith. God sometimes brings people together for a reason, you know, in your life and mm-hmm. the connection. And um, some last, sometimes it lasts a long, long time, sometimes not as long a period of time. But there's a reason for each one. But um, we have the power with choice to, to do that. And um, I would encourage everybody listening that if you, if you have some trepidation or fear about loving somebody who's struggling, and it doesn't have to be a life and death situation like it was with Gail, nor cancer. Um, don't be afraid, you know, because if, if, um, if, you, if you take the jump and you get in there and you make that choice, you might find you're going to experience something you never thought possible. Um, certainly Gail and I did. That's great. So, Larry, how can people connect with you and get a copy of your book and learn more about what you do? Sure. Uh, the best way to, to uh, get the book right now, 126 Days, 11 Minutes, Our Love Story, on Amazon.com in either Kindle or paperback version. Uh, secondly, we'll be coming out with the audio version, I'm hoping, before the end of the year. I think we're going to be able to get it done. And that will be on Audible via the Amazon channel. Amazon also owns Audible. They own a lot of things, but those Mm -hmm. channels get the book. Um, As far as for me, um, if you want to follow me on Facebook, is at Lawrence Indiviglia. I know that is a big name, but at Lawrence Indiviglia, um, you could find me on Twitter at Larry Indsights, I-N-D Sites. Okay, Larry Insights, Insight, not with an S, Larry Insight uh, on Twitter. And then um, also I am on LinkedIn. Um, uh, If you just go and search my name, I'm on LinkedIn under um, Larry Indiviglia or even Lawrence. Both names will come up. And um, those are the the channels that uh, you could reach me. If you want to email me directly, Indiviglia at gmail.com, lindaviglia at gmail.com. And those are the best ways to, to get a hold of me. Um, and I'm very excited about the book and the lessons that people could learn. We've gotten a good response and certainly appreciate all your support uh, for the book, Meredith, and all the wonderful work you're doing. Well, thank you, Larry. And thank you so much for being my guest. We'll have all of those links on the show notes page when we publish Um, your episode. So thank you and uh, continue doing the fabulous work that you're doing in the world because you bring a lot of light and love to the people that you interact with. And I just think uh, your, your life has even been more enriched by what you and Gail experienced together. And I just love how you're bringing that out to the world now. So more people can learn from that and benefit. Thank you, Meredith. Uh, much appreciated. And uh, I think Gail's smiling today, you know, looking down and saying, uh, man, he got, he, got my, uh, he got my picture of the Argentine tango Malanga on the front cover. So I think, uh, I think she's happy about that. That's great. Well, thanks again, Larry. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, 
The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.